Welcome to the June 19th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and talk about the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host Space Marine, live from space. Bitcoin is currently trading near $9,075, and over the past 24 hours, there's been quite a bit of volatility between support at $9,000 and apparently local resistance at $9,200. Zooming out gives the real picture of what exactly is going on here. There is a strong resistance level around $9,400 to $9,500, a level which Bitcoin has hit multiple times in the past several days but has not exceeded it yet. And then we see support levels at $9,000 and $8,800. That $8,800 support level is particularly critical because if Bitcoin breaks below that, we could be talking about a much bigger crash. But if it holds above $8,800, I think eventually we'll have the chance to test that $9,400 resistance level again. Beyond the resistance at $9,400, it seems like $10,000 is a very important psychological resistance level. If Bitcoin breaks $10,000, it might lead to a lot of hype and FOMO. So, yeah, that could cause a big rally if Bitcoin's able to break through 10000 but we're not talking about that yet, really, because Bitcoin has to first break through 9400 to $9,500. It is good news that Bitcoin is holding above $9,000 right now, despite a couple of negative factors that happened yesterday, which caused Bitcoin to decline from its 2019 high near $9,400. Basically, the Hong Kong extradition bill was suspended indefinitely, so the Hong Kong extradition bill got a lot of people panicking in Hong Kong, and they were putting their money offshore because basically that bill would have made it so if they got charged with something, they would be uh, extradited to China to face trial. So they put all their money offshore to make sure they weren't going to get arrested just for having money. And then they get all their money taken away in a Chinese court. So yeah, there was probably a lot of Bitcoins being bought when that panic was going on to get the money offshore from Hong Kong. And now that's over. So that panic has subsided and that's decreased buying pressure on the Bitcoin market. Aside from that, there was a nice big stock market rally yesterday. The Dow Jones went up 400 points. That's about as much as we see it go up on any particularly bullish day. Right now, it's before the opening bell, which is at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Right now, it's just before 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And today's going to be very interesting because the Federal Reserve is having their meeting today. And bullish investors are saying there's going to be a rate cut. Um, the more moderately neutral investors are saying... There's going to be a rate cut, but it's going to be announced today, but not take place till the end of July. And then maybe some bearish investors are saying the rate is going to get hiked. So we're talking about the Fed funds rate, and they've been raising the Fed funds rate over the last year or so, and it's still very low. It's less than 3%. It was near 0% after the 2008 financial crisis. So the Fed funds rate is the rate it costs for intra-bank loans. Basically, how much does it cost to get a loan if you're a bank? And so when the Fed funds rate is near zero, like all the banks and corporations can get basically free money. And then, so they started raising the rate over the last year because like it doesn't really function well when it's at like 0%. And then now they got it to like just over 2%. And last time they raised the rate by a quarter percent, the stock market crashed, even though at that point the Fed funds rate was still below the inflation rate. It was just starting to approach the inflation rate, which is like 3% a year. So with the Fed funds rate just approaching the inflation rate, uh, which still means like if the Fed funds rate equals the inflation rate, it's still basically free money. So just the fact that maybe the money wasn't going to be free at some point in the future anymore, and it would actually cost a small interest rate to take money out for banks and corporations, that caused the stock market to totally crash around Christmas. And then the Federal Reserve seems to have reverse course, and they said they're probably going to cut rates at some point. So if the rates are cut today, maybe the stocks can rally again. 
if the rates are not cut today, maybe the stocks will just go down, even if they say they're going to cut it in the future. And if they somehow raise the rates today, the stocks will probably go down like a thousand points. So it's a very important day to watch the markets because we've been noticing this inverse correlation between the stock market and the Bitcoin market. Basically, if stocks go up like they did yesterday, Bitcoin generally goes down. And if the stocks go down a lot, Bitcoin generally goes up. I think this is because traders who normally invest in stocks, like if stocks are doing very poorly, they might invest in Bitcoin. And so that causes Bitcoin to go up. And then when the stocks are doing really good, they take their money out of Bitcoin, put it back into stocks. As for the rest of the cryptocurrency market, it is quite mixed today. So Ethereum is down 0.4% near $267. Ripple is down 1.8% near $0.43. Cents. Litecoin is up 3.5%. Always good to see Litecoin starting to go up because this big rally we had recently that brought us to the 2019 highs was actually led by Litecoin. So Litecoin rallied for like a week or two based on block having speculation. And by the way, the Litecoin block having is coming in less than two months. So that will probably cause a rally all on its own. But anyway, so Litecoin rallied a lot for a week or two while everything else was kind of going down or sideways and volatile. And then eventually the rest of the crypto market started to rally too. So Litecoin's like a good bellwether and a predictor of the rest of the crypto market. That being said, we're just seeing a gain of 3.5% today and not like consistent gains many days in a row. So we're going to have to wait and see if this trend continues with Litecoin going up. But it's near $137. Bitcoin Cash is down 1.2%. EOS is down 1.6%. It's back below $7. Binance Coin is up 2%, near $35.40. So Binance Coin is now back near its all-time high of $36. Only about a week after they banned United States users. So it seems like Binance Coin is doing fine despite banning everyone in the United States. Bitcoin SV is up 0.1%, actually near $224. Bitcoin SV has been one of the biggest gainers in the last month or two. Stellar is down 1.5%. Cardano is down 0.2%. Tron is up 0.6%. Monero is down 1.2%. Dash is down 0.8%. By the way, Monero is almost at $100. It's at like $99, and Dash is at $158. Cosmos is flat in the past 24 hours. IOTA is up 0.8%. NEO is down 0.3%. Ethereum Classic is down 1%. Tezos is down 2.5%. Zcash, after rallying a lot the past few days, is down 0.8%, but it's at $108, so it's a lot higher than it was a week ago. And Dogecoin is down 1.3%. One very interesting thing that has just happened is the LDO token, which is Bitfinex's native token that was launched recently, has appeared on CoinMarketCap. So it's actually at number 13 on CoinMarketCap, right there in the top major cryptocurrency. So we're going to start including that in the market analysis. And right now it's at $1.84. And more importantly, its market cap is $1.84 billion. So it's ahead of Monero and Dash. So yeah, LEO is a major cryptocurrency, but it launched only recently. So the CoinMarketCap chart goes back to like May 21st or so. And on May 21st, this LEO token was worth about a dollar. And I believe that was the initial offering price. Mostly private investors bought up the LEO token during the initial offering. And Bitfinex raised $1 billion. So they sold each LEO token for a dollar. And they sold a billion of them. So they made a billion dollars on this LEO token offering. And now it's up to $1.84. It's actually down 4% in the past 24 hours. Its peak price seems like it was somewhere near about $2. So it went up 100% in value. The LEO token, and right now it's 84% above its ICO price, or IEO. They call it initial exchange offering, even though it's really just an ICO. It's the same thing. One interesting thing about the LEO token that I have not really seen before, 
but maybe some other cryptos do this that I just don't know about, is they're going to burn every single LEO token that ever exists. So we talked about this on the past Crypto IQ show. Basically, they burn LEO tokens every hour, so they take some of the trading fees on Bitfinex and burn off. They buy back some tokens and burn some of them. So that's applying upward pressure to the market. It's applying buying pressure, and also it's narrowing the total supply. So the supply is going down, and it increases the buying pressure, and this is causing a nice upwards force in the LEO market. And they say they're going to burn every single LEO token eventually. So LEO is not going to last forever. It's meant to burn out. So this creates kind of like a pump scenario. So that's what they're aiming for here, I guess, to help the initial investors make a lot of money. So the initial investors you know, gave Bitfinex a billion dollars and they got the tokens for $1 each. And now it's already gone up almost 100% since it came out. And it, I think it'll probably go up a lot more because they are burning the tokens every hour. It's going to take years to burn off all the tokens, but it definitely has a sustained, distinct, and significant effect when you're burning tokens every single hour, which increases the demand, like I said, the buying pressure and decreases the supply. And by the way, the fact that this just got listed on CoinMarketCap, that'll probably help it go up over the next week, probably. Whenever a major crypto that's new appears on CoinMarketCap in like the top 20, that gets people interested in it. So CoinMarketCap users that are seeing the LEO token for the first time on there, they might go out and buy some because they want a little of every major crypto. Moving on with the market analysis, the total crypto market cap is currently near $285 billion. The 2019 high was $292 billion, which happened only a day or two ago. So we're about $7 billion below that 2019 high. Not too shabby. That's within striking distance easily. On a good day in the crypto markets, we can gain like $20, $30 billion of market cap. So even just a mildly bullish day could take us back to the 2019 high, literally. So we're not far from that 2019 high. And right now we are 185% above the bear market low of $100 billion in December. So yes, the crypto market has made major progress. I'm not declaring the bear market is over though until Bitcoin hits at least $10,000. And only if that's during like a sustained uptrend. Like if Bitcoin starts going down for like the next month and then it hits 10000 at a later point, I wouldn't declare the bear market over. But if Bitcoin somehow goes through 10000 in the next week or two, I think I'm going to declare the bear market is over. Certainly... There's been tremendous profit making on the crypto markets, even though there's still some slight hints of bearishness that come out from time to time. But yeah, it's almost over at this point, as long as the long-term trend continues of Bitcoin going up. If we just go through 10,000, I'll declare the bear market is over and that we're in a fresh bull market. That's certainly what the long-term chart looks like. Like if you look at the long-term chart, the all-time chart on BitcoinTicker.co, which is the site I use now for Bitcoin's price, you can see that big pump all the way up to $20,000 in December 2017 and then there was that long bear market throughout 2018 and there was like many little rallies some of the rallies were thousands of dollars like there was one in February where Bitcoin went up from like less than $8,000 up to like $11,000 even $12,000 and then there was all sorts of little bumps like that like in April Bitcoin went from less than $7,000 up to almost $10,000 and then there was less and less rallies after that. And then Bitcoin went down to that low in December of $3,100. And now since then, though, there's been the sustained uptrend that looks like the beginning of another like pump, another big Bitcoin bubble. So if this just continues a little bit longer, I think it is safe to say we're in a bull market, but I'm not saying it yet. So that's all I have for the market analysis for today. Moving on to the first interesting story of the day. Ripple, which has the cryptocurrency XRP, which is number three on CoinMarketCap with a market cap of $18 billion, 
is buying up a significant amount of MoneyGram shares. So they're buying 8 to 10% of all the shares that MoneyGram has on the stock market. So let me just explain what MoneyGram is. Like, if you want to send money to your friends or family, MoneyGram is one of the best ways. Like, especially if your friends or family don't really have a bank account or something. You can, like, use their name and your name and you go to a counter, like, you go to Walmart or something and you send, like, 50 bucks to, like, your mom or something like that. And so MoneyGram is one of the most common payment remittances network. And there's actually a tremendous amount of people using MoneyGram. Its main competitor is Western Union. Western Union's just like MoneyGram. It's about the same. And Ripple already tried to deal with Western Union. So Western Union trialed out Ripple's XRapid, which uses XRP, the cryptocurrency, in the intermediary stages. So basically XRapid takes some fiat money and then it transfers it into xrp apparently then it comes out the other side is fiat money so western union trialed out x rapid and that was big news at the time but western union ultimately said that xrp and x rapid did not save them any money and they discontinued their trial so now ripple labs which like basically created the xrp cryptocurrency they're getting more aggressive with this now they're flat out buying a big share of moneygram so moneygram's going to use x rapid now and that's big news for XRP because it basically it's saying that perhaps at some point, there's no clear details of this, but maybe MoneyGram will be using XRapid at some point, maybe for part of its network or all of its network, at least at some point as a trial, something like that. But Ripple has more of a say. They're not on the board of directors of MoneyGram. They didn't buy enough stock for that, but they're an observer. Like they have 8 to 10% of the stock of MoneyGram now. All the stock in the world of MoneyGram, they have 8 to 10% of it. They paid $30 million for this at a price of $4.10 per share. And by the way, on the stock market, MoneyGram goes for like $1.50. So if you're just a regular stock investor buying a little MoneyGram stock, it's $1.50. But since Ripple wanted such a large share, they had to cut this deal where they had to pay like over double, way more than double the price that it is on the stock market. And then also MoneyGram is an option to get another $20 million, which I'm sure they'll take that option. So yeah, Ripple Labs put $50 million into MoneyGram, and honestly, that's not that much money for Ripple. So here's the thing with Ripple Labs. They control, at this moment, 57.5 billion XRP, and then the circulating supply is 42.5 billion. So 42.5 billion XRP are held mostly by the general public and all the investors and stuff. And then another 57.5 billion is held by Ripple Labs, period. So the market cap for the circulating Ripple of 42.5 billion is over $18 billion dollars. That means Ripple Labs holds way over $20 billion of XRP that they own. So to them, $50 million is not that much money. So this is actually a pretty ingenious way of trying to get Ripple XRP adopted. And we'll see how it goes. Like Western Union said, hey, it didn't save them any money. But if Ripple decides to take over MoneyGram, and you know this is like their first buy of stock, maybe they'll buy some more and some more, and then they'll be on the board of directors. Then they could literally make X Rapid part of MoneyGram, and that would be a big deal because, like I said, MoneyGram is one of the top payment remittances networks in the world. So if XRP starts to be used for all the MoneyGrams in the world, if Ripple buys up even some more stock and they get on the board of directors, maybe XRP's price would go up. But that being said, if you think about how this actually works with XRapid. So XRP is an intermediate part of the process, but customers, obviously, like people that use MoneyGram, they're not going to be sending XRP, nor will they be receiving XRP because people that use MoneyGram send with cash and they receive cash. They need cash and they have to use cash. The Ripple, the XRP is used only in intermediate stages within the payment process. So even though there is some buying pressure, I guess, for a few seconds when 
the transaction happens, it is sold immediately. So I'm not sure how this will affect the market so much, but maybe it'll just cause some speculation. Like there might be some speculation that, hey, MoneyGram is now using XRP and that might just get investors to buy up XRP. So we'll see how that goes. But at this point, I don't see any clear fundamental way this will increase the demand for XRP besides investment speculation. Moving on to the next story of the day. So EOS announced their new social media platform called Voice like a couple months ago, I believe maybe it was a month ago. So Voice is a social media platform that runs through the EOS blockchain. Maybe EOS payments are enabled on there, I think it is. But anyways, the news today is that EOS has purchased Voice.com for $30 million. So $30 million to EOS isn't that much either. It's kind of like Ripple Labs, but not as big. But yeah, EOS got $5 billion in their ICO when they first came out. And it looks like they still hold about $100 million EOS to themselves, which is like $700 million. So EOS has a ton of money. And they bought, I guess, the perfect domain name for their Voice social media platform. $30 million for a domain name. So this, they purchased it from MicroStrategy, and it's funny because this company, MicroStrategy, maybe, I'm just speculating, but there were people back in the day when the internet started, like in the 1990s, that were purchasing up all the domain names. Like, they would go through the whole dictionary and buy every word in the dictionary as a domain name, and now they're getting, like, tens of millions of dollars for each one. It's, and the reason I'm saying this is because on this press release about EOS buying a $30 million domain name, like, it says, oh, we also have wisdom.com and alert.com, glory.com, hope.com, strategy.com. So MicroStrategy is one of those companies, or it was like maybe a person back in the day that just bought every word in the dictionary, and now they're making tens of millions of dollars per domain name. So yeah, domain names is still a huge business. It's only getting bigger and bigger. Now it's getting crazy. Like, literally anyone that had the foresight to buy up as many words in the dictionary as they could on the domain name registrar, like, they're rich for life now. So that's kind of crazy. Moving on to the next story. Bancor, which is one of the biggest Ethereum decentralized exchanges, DEXs, D-E-X, they're banning United States users as of July 8th. So we've been hearing a lot about decentralized exchanges, especially in like 2018 and I guess this year too. And it was supposed to be like an exchange where there's no regulation and you could trade any cryptocurrency you want and how much cryptocurrency you want, no matter how much it is. And you could be anonymous and you hold your own coins in your wallet while you're trading. Well, it seems like people are calling themselves decentralized exchanges when they're not really decentralized. So Bancor is banning United States users on July 8th. I think that means they're not decentralized. That's a centralized exchange. And Binance did the same thing. So Binance did a lot of hype about their Binance DEX. And that got people to buy up tons of Binance coin. Because Binance DEX, you have to use Binance coin to trade on the Binance DEX. So the Binance coin rallied to all-time highs. Well, part of the reason for that rally at least in the past few months, is because of the Binance DEX. But then Binance banned all United States users from the Binance DEX. So the Binance DEX is not completely decentralized. In fact, it's centralized. And Bancor is not completely decentralized. It's hard to find a really decentralized exchange. I think the best one is actually BISQ, B-I-S-Q, and the developers are like totally anonymous because it's dangerous to even develop a really decentralized exchange that's truly decentralized. The governments don't want that because it facilitates money laundering technically. So yeah, BISC is like the one that's probably really, really decentralized. Like they're not even banned in Iran. So, but yeah, Bancor and Binance, they both are shutting down US users. So Binance Dex is going to block US users on July 1st and Bancor on July 8th. Zooming out, this seems to me that United States regulators are cracking down on quote unquote supposedly decentralized exchanges because we're seeing Bancor and Binance go down at the same time in the United States. 
And by the way, all of Binance went down in the United States also. So Binance banned United States users outright, like, immediately. And you could probably still use Binance from the looks of it, technically, but eventually everyone in the United States, like, their account's going to get, like, banned and frozen, pretty much. Not a good idea to use Binance anymore, unfortunately, because it was the biggest crypto-to-crypto -crypto spot exchange in the world. But yeah, there's something going on with United States regulators. Like, they're really cracking down on crypto exchanges right now. And it's not a good thing for the crypto space. It's really, really inhibiting the crypto space. In fact, the loss of Binance for United States users is hurting the entire altcoin market badly. Because now, basically, the only options left are like Bittrex and I guess Coinbase and stuff like that. There might be some other exchanges that are kind of like Binance, and I would expect them to get cracked down upon too. But yeah, Bittrex and Coinbase, you could use them and trade a bunch of altcoins, but your identity is known completely. Like, you have to put your driver's license and your social security, and you will be taxed. So there's no more options to be anonymous and trade crypto anymore, really, in the United States. Unless you're going to, like, break the law and use a VPN or something, which I don't recommend. Moving on to the next story. The Ethereum Foundation, which is kind of like the Ethereum developers, they kind of, like, set a date for their next hard fork. So we were talking about the Constantinople hard fork for, like, months and months and months. It finally happened, and Ethereum is doing much better now that the fork is behind them. But Ethereum developers love forks and there's another one scheduled for january 3rd 2020 so at least we don't have to worry about it this year but that's at the very beginning of 2020 and it's going to be ethereum 2.0 phase zero and basically ethereum's been talking about going towards proof of stake so they have proof of work right now which is very good proof of work is like way more decentralized and also it creates an incentive that creates an entire mining community and the mining community is generally a very important factor for a cryptocurrency's value but ethereum is basically going to get rid of their mining community eventually it seems like it's going to start in 2020 maybe it will go to proof of stake at that point completely the details are uncertain though and also these dates that they set like january 3rd 2020 it seems like they never actually fork on the date they set especially if it's so far out from now there's always something that happens and it takes like months longer but yeah start looking out for that next ethereum hard fork in about half a year moving on to the next story so, we mentioned on the last show, in fact, the whole last show was about Facebook's new cryptocurrency, Libra. Well, United States regulators are already getting pretty angry about Libra. This follows France saying they gotta stop Libra, and Germany is really opposed to Libra too, and so is Switzerland. But now the United States, which is like the big powerhouse of the entire world, is saying... Like, at least some people in the United States, some powerful people in Congress are against Libra. So we mentioned this. Basically, Libra is an attempt by Facebook and a whole bunch of other major corporations to create their own sovereign global currency. So this is something that's like a bombshell news story, period. And it's going to be an interesting experiment. So we talked about most in Russia how it's like the dark side of the cryptocurrency force. But the other factor is it's the first time we're seeing corporations try to issue their own like national fiat currency for the world sort of thing with their own federal reserve sort of thing so libra would be like have their own central bank and their own currency and so the governments of the world don't like this because that competes with the central banks and governments of the entire world the thing that gives the governments the most power is the fact they run their own fiat currencies and they don't want the corporations to run their own global fiat currency because that takes away power from the governments so I'll read a couple of letters. So this is from Patrick McHenry, who's a ranking member of Congress, apparently. And he wrote this to Chairwoman uh, Maxine Waters of the House Committee on Financial Services. I write to request a hearing on Facebook and its recent announcement to create a new global cryptocurrency project, Project Libra. 
According to recent news reports, Facebook, together with a number of other financial institutions and companies, is launching a new digital currency. Unlike existing digital currencies, Facebook has a worldwide platform and skill that can impact global payments in the digital currency market. While there is a great promise for this new technology in fostering financial inclusion and faster payments, particularly in the developing world, we know there are many open questions as to the scope and scale of the project and how it will conform to our global financial regulatory framework. It is incumbent upon us as policymakers to understand Project Libra. We need to go beyond the rumors and speculation to provide a form to assess this project and its potential unprecedented impact on the global financial system. And so basically, aside from that, there there's already a word coming out. It's not rumors. It's actually like people are actually saying this in Congress. Like they want to freeze Project Libra, like completely freeze it, put a moratorium on it, and then bring Facebook and all the corporations involved with this to Congress and totally like investigate them and put them on trial pretty much in Congress. It's not really a court case, but it's like, yeah, they want to completely freeze Project Libra and then break it down completely. And yeah, so that's the way Libra is going to go. So. Libra is competing with all the governments of the world, but all the governments of the world have the opportunity to sue and regulate and assault Project Libra. So whatever Project Libra is saying it's going to be now is probably going to have to be much, much different than they want it to be. Like, so Facebook wants Libra to be one way, and the governments really get to decide what it's going to be, because Libra is centralized. So the biggest mistake Libra made is centralization. So Bitcoin is very decentralized, so Congress nor any government in the world, they can't change Bitcoin they can't tell Bitcoin what to do. So Facebook thought they could do better than Bitcoin by being centralized. Well, that's the big downfall because if it's centralized, it's probably not even going to launch in the first place. So they're aiming for a 2020 launch, like early 2020. And there's a chance that it might actually never launch at all. There's a chance it'll launch way after. It's likely to launch way after their expected launch in early 2020. And there's a, even that chance, like I said, it won't launch at all because the governments get to decide what Libra is going to be or if it gets to exist because it's a centralized entity and the government can't attack it. They know the people in charge of it. They know where they are and they could freeze their assets and they could sue them. So that's the problem with Libra. And by the way, to be specific, Maxine Waters, which is once again the uh, chairwoman of the House Committee on Financial Services, she's actually the one that says there should be a moratorium on Project Libra. And she references how Facebook has, like, breached privacy data for, like, billions of people. And they've collaborated with, like, Russian intelligence and basically committed treason and stuff. And they've also been fined large amounts of money by the Federal Trade Commission for deceiving customers. So, basically, Maxine Waters, who has a lot of pull over the finances of the entire country, the whole financial economy... She's basically saying, hey, Facebook's been known to be really corrupt, and we got to freeze this now. So, yeah, we have, like, a major figure in the United States Congress saying, and she actually has power to do this, like, calls a moratorium on Project Libra. So this is a developing story, and it'll probably keep developing for months and months and months. And we'll keep you updated. So that's all I have for you today on this June 19th, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ 24-7 for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join that Crypto.IQ trading desk. They've made over 400% profit since July. Even in the worst of the bear market, they were making tons of money. And if you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you can see their trades in real time. And there's a full trade analysis for each trade. Just by reading that full trade analysis, you can become an expert cryptocurrency trader. And it gets even better. You can ask the Crypto.IQ traders questions in real time, and they'll answer your questions pretty quickly. So joining the Crypto.IQ trading desk is the best way to become an expert and profitable cryptocurrency trader. 
This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. I remain in space. <laughs>